listeners. How's it going? You're listening to Macabre. (laughs) One of the more awkward intros I I think we've ever had, and that's because I started. So you're going to be hearing this in December at the end of the year, but we're recording in the middle of November, and some shit has gone down since the last time we recorded. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about that? (laughs) Um, Somebody decided to come and surprise me up here in wisconsin and i was completely oblivious who would have that been oh man i don't know it definitely wasn't hallie some cool ass <laughs> chick <laughs> some cool ass chick from indiana you know i was completely shocked i i still am kind of shocked for anyone that was on the is in the private facebook group you would have already seen the video there was a lot of cursing yeah i think it it surprised a lot of people they're like wow i wasn't expecting you to be like that whoa <laughs> yeah. yeah that that's apparently, how it went down apparently you haven't listened to the show enough <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's funny i knew exactly how it was gonna go down i was like she's gonna cuss and then she's gonna cry yep that's and that is and the exact exactly order it went what happened yep yes oh so my if you're not gosh. In, if you're not in the facebook group definitely join so that you can see that video because it's hilarious i know people are like i've watched it like three times it's so funny see my embarrassment for three minutes (laughs) and then also i was late oh yeah i forgot i I was gonna give you a hard time about that yeah i am never fucking late ever like it gives me so much anxiety so that by the time i got there i knew i was super late so i was like I mean, I can sort of give the setup too. So mm-hmm. basically, it was Friendsgiving, and yep. um, another podcaster that actually introduced Flair and I, yeah, like contacted me back in the summer. I think it was like, "Hey, we're doing this thing, and we think it'd be really cool if you could come up and surprise Flair." And so then we just started to put this plan together and shout out to Nick because yes. he and his wife, you know, drove us from Madison all the way up to uh, Chippewa. Yep. Chippewa. Chippewa Falls. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of travel. But then once we got there, we were just waiting on Blair to show up. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, she's always early. Always. It's not on time. Mm-hmm. And then we just sat in the back like patio area just waiting and waiting and waiting and 30 minutes later (laughs) i know and i mean i take full responsibility but at the same time i kind of blame my fiance for wanting that particular fucking dip because Mm -hmm. you know i could have you know whipped it up the night before like i normally do but it needed to be fresh it's not on him he just loves onions and caramelizing onions you know who knew it'd take 45 to 50 fucking minutes (laughs) But yeah, uh, shout out. It. Yeah. And you pulled it off. I had no clue. Completely oblivious. Shout out to Nick from America Scaryland. Because he is the reason why this podcast season. exists. Um yeah. we are gonna uh, I know we keep saying this, but it, it's gonna it's gonna get old. I'm sorry, but soon, very soon. We're going to have our origin story episode, and uh, we might have a little guest on there to kind of 
hang two. out with us. And I know or some three. of our or three. Yeah. And I know some of our listeners currently know about America's Scary Land with Nick and Jake. And they're awesome dudes. Um, and they're a time. They're awesome to hang out with. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that we sort of got that out of the way, um, tis the season. It is. It is. What do you have for us? Oh, well, today we have a hometown macabre, and we're jumping across the pond to London, England with what the Dickens? Yes, that's right. Charles Dickens. Because you can't have macabre in Christmas without Mr. Dickens. And today we are going to brush up on that just a little bit, but we wanted to make it a little more fun and cheerful, even though I know this is macabre, we wanted to do a little bit more of a warm-hearted end of the year for you guys. So, Charles Dickens, in a technical definition, was a novelist from Victoria-era England who created some of the world's best-known characters and stories, but he truly was so much more than that. His talent struck a chord in hearts of all sizes and ages. He changed the world. Join us as we talk about what haunted Dickens and how he revived Christmas. How he fucking saved it, actually. He fucking saved it. And we're going to talk about what existed for Christmas prior to him writing this book, which, if you don't know, you might be a little shocked. So we can't really talk about a Christmas Carol without really diving into Charles Dickens' early years of life. Charles was born on February 7th of 1812 in Portsmouth, Hampshire, England, and he spent from 1870 to 1822 in Chatham, and from 1822 to 1860, he lived in London. He came from a middle-class family, and he kind of had his own dysfunctional family hmm. one of his grand oh yeah oh yeah it you'll you'll see why he became a little bitter about some things later in life uh one of his grandfathers was a servant and the other was an embezzler hmm. uh-huh yeah his father was a clerk who made a decent wage but he was not very smart with his money and to put it politely, his lifestyle didn't match his wages, and he often left his family in a financial pickle. Unfortunately, in 1824, the family had officially hit rock bottom after so many different times of financial roller coasterdom. Uh, the family was forced to make some pretty drastic changes. Charles... Uh, being the eldest son, was pulled out of school to get a job at the age of 12. And if you remember us talking about the Industrial Revolution, you can just about imagine where Charles went. Yeah, he went to a factory during that time. Hmm. And his father was sent to debtor's prison, which... What? For his embezzlement? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for basically running in debt. Uh, this, of course, left the family just with a lasting shock that would forever rock their boat. But no one seemed more affected than Charles. His time in the workhouse was greatly 
it greatly influenced his work later. As you can see in like Oliver Twist and other tales, this very brief moment of his life really just formed him as a person. And even though he worked in the the factory just briefly, he did go back to school for a short while, but honestly, it just wasn't the same for him after that. So that ended for him at the age of 15. And in between him becoming who we know of today, he had various jobs. Uh, He was a clerk, just like his dad at one point. Then he became a reporter in the law courts and then a reporter for a newspaper. And this is kind of what cycled him into being an author. He came out of his younger years just a little bit bitter about what happened with his family. He honestly held that for all of his life. In 1832, he almost became an actor because he was completely enamored with the theater. A year later, he would start writing essays and stories for magazines and newspapers And in 1836, his first novel, The Pickwick Papers, began being published in the paper in little columns. Of course, in his journey from The Pickwick Papers to A Christmas Carol, he wrote some major bangers, such as Oliver Twist. But I'm sorry, listeners, that's a tale for another time. Let's get to why we're hanging out today. In 1843... Charles Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol. Originally, it was just supposed to be another one of his ghost stories because, as you know, he wrote quite a few. And as you know by now, listening to us, that the Victorians just had a hard on for ghost stories. This story. Kinky, kinky, (laughs) and they like spooky. Kinky, spooky. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I believe the term we use nowadays is scared but horny. Um, that is, um, this is a party I'd like to go to actually. (laughs) What would that entail? I mean, there's going to be some like, um, I don't know, some seance and some, never mind. That's, I'll save that for a Patreon episode. Seances and intimacy. Yeah. (laughs) shenanigans there's hands involved in seances and there's hands involved in other things too depending on how many are in the group there's a lot of hands oh my god (laughs) it's it's uh we usually record early in the morning and this is kind of late for us and we're still loopy and you're drinking out of a bacardi cup (laughs) (laughs) convince me there's no rum in there there isn't. I haven't. No uh, nope, not yet. Not yet. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. But that that's for uh that's for our next recording, which um Patreon will get to enjoy. <laughs> but we digress, listeners. So this story has left, uh, of course, not the the scared but horny thing like that with the seance and stuff of course we're going we're coming back to a christmas carol don't don't forget let's let's just rewind for a second uh we're talking about the christmas carol a christmas carol yep i'm just gonna continue forward with that don't get it mixed up with what we were just talking about because that's gonna be awkward uh nobody would have invited ebenezer scrooge into the uh scared but horny seance (laughs) that would have been pretty nasty but a christmas carol 
this story has left a lasting impression for almost 200 years after it was written. And the beauty of it, there's so much beauty to it, but one of the most beautiful from a writer's standpoint is that this thing was only written in a few weeks. That's incredible. Yes. I I just... Mad respect for that. Of course, we know about A Christmas Carol, but I'm going to give a brief summary because, you know, that's what we do here. Um, It's about an old miser named Ebenezer Scrooge who only cared about money and didn't give a Victorian rat's half-eaten ass about anything else. On Christmas Eve, he is visited by his late business partner, Jacob Marley, who is pleading with him to change his ways, or he will have a greater punishment than Marley himself. After that, he is visited by three spirits, the ghosts of Christmas past, ghosts of Christmas present, and, of course, my favorite, the ghosts of Christmas yet to come. On these adventures, Scrooge is forced to face himself and learn from his shortcomings. It took a tall, dark, cloaked figure to scare the truth into Ebenezer's soul. And when that old man awoke on Christmas Day, he woke to a change of heart, a twinkle in his eye, and a new way of looking at the world. Of course, when people read this, it changed them, similar to how it changed Scrooge in the book. There was a different mentality before Dickens wrote this on the spirit of Christmas and just the treatment of humanity in general. And this was just a shock to the heartstrings that I think was truly needed when you look at um, that time in history. Let's jump out of that subject for just a second and talk about Dickens and his spectral fixation because he was obsessed with the supernatural he was just absolutely fascinated with it but he became more obsessed with proving the evidence he wanted hard evidence otherwise he's like photo or it doesn't exist kind of deal um so for our avid dickens fans out there you know that he wrote many ghost stories and was pretty good at it too in fact, the single the signal man is often considered his best ghostly work. He had quite the knack for macabre writing, and believe it or not, for an author who wrote a large collection of ghost stories, he was a huge skeptic. He was absolutely fascinated though with the concept. He dabbled in spiritualism and mesmerism and dared people to prove to him that ghosts existed. He was eager to be proven wrong and begged for it, but he never got the evidence that he wanted. But he was criticized for his hypocrisy by some spiritualists at the time, saying that he was happy to believe in ghosts while writing spooky stories to make a buck, but then would turn around and criticize the very thing that he wrote about. When his interest in ghosts began to take a turn that actively led him to seeking out haunted houses to prove to himself personally that this was a thing that truly did exist. He really became bitter about this topic as well. His intrigue for the supernatural just turned into some really venomous doubt that would lead to outlash against spiritualists at the time. 
in fact yeah he he was pretty vocal Mm -hmm. we'll talk about the ghost club a little bit if you haven't heard of the ghost club it was kind of a cool little club where people talked about supernatural stuff and were kind of a first wave of victorian investigators in a way and it was like a powerhouse of people a lot of writers were members of the ghost club um so he set out to disprove a ton of mediums and spiritualists could because he wanted hard evidence and he wanted to really truly see what was lying beyond our realm because he wrote about it all the time there were such fantastical stories but really where was the evidence for it or was it just a kid's story so he formed a group of intellectuals with him to make the group called the ghost club and the ghost club was known to have some of course like i said previous or pretty famous writers within its ranks a band of people looking to seek truth in spectral matters it was founded in 1862 and what happened in and around the club isn't actually very well documented which kind of sucks it'd be nice to of hear course. a little bit more yeah well yeah it would any any club like that though the first right? rule of ghost club is <laughs> you don't to not talk, talk about, about ghost club, ghost club. <laughs> but it was well known that its its main purpose was to investigate supernatural claims with the intention of exposing it for fraud so they they were trying to just disprove everything they just were really wanting hard evidence but they were out there to just kind of see how much fraud was going on because remember in that time victorians were obsessed with this kind of thing and there were oh, so yeah. many yeah gimmicks it was gimmicky yeah exactly um, people were making, making money. money exactly yeah, big time and it was i mean a huge almost like a circus show when it really came down to it you would go to some of these really famous mediums houses and they would have like trap doors and little you know buttons under the table and wires to really attach to things yeah Yeah. almost like a fun house like a concealed fun house that they were trying to uh scare people with i think we're gonna do an episode on that later too maybe the fox sisters yes you know um like the rise of spiritualism and kind of like how influential they were and i think that would be a fantastic idea because oh man there's a lot to talk about exactly and especially since we talk about the victorian era so much on this podcast and that realm really influences a lot of the topics we cover too it would be awesome to do that because we know how the victorians were a and how they felt about mediums and whatnot. I mean, remember the death rates, the number of people that died before a certain age. I mean, people were obsessed with death. They wanted to talk to their past loved ones. I mean, people were really taking advantage of that. Dickens was also very passionate about this because he thought that the people taking advantage it was a crime. And he was quite vocal about that. Um, he actually had letters back and forth with with a very famous spiritualist at the time named William Howitt. And in one of his letters, uh, he particularly stated, I quote, my own mind is perfectly unprejudiced 
and impressible on the subject. I do not in the least pretend that such things are not, but I have not yet met with any ghost story that was proved to me or that had not the noticeable peculiarity in it that the alteration of such slight circumstance would bring it within the range of common natural probabilities. So he was basically just like, come at me, bro. I dare yeah. you to prove it to me. Like, you're you're making this shit up. Like, present me with the facts, you know. Mm-hmm. So needless to say, Dickens would have a field day with today's supernatural talks. <laughs> Uh, though he wasn't truly on the side of believing in such things, he really loved to write about ghosts. And he, I feel deep down, really did want to believe that they did exist. Um, because there was still that little bit of fascination with it that lingered in him. He just was so adamant about proving it true. Though we could probably debate on the Victorian views of spiritualism and Dickens's eagerness to expose the truth and fraud, what we can't debate is the fact that Charles Dickens saved Christmas with a handful of ghosts and a dash of macabre, which is the best macabre thing ever. So if you don't think Christmas is a wee bit macabre, think again, people, because Dickens well, made it so. The next episode, you're going to find out for sure because that's what I'm talking about. Yes. Like the darker traditions surrounding Christmas. I'm so So excited. Yeah. I can't wait. So let's talk about the man who saved Christmas. Before Christmas Carol was published, Christmas was a lot different. For thousands of years, People have celebrated with festivals all around the world. And when Christianity arrived and became pretty prominent, it mixed its traditions with pagan traditions to form a new type of tradition. Many people don't realize that. Many people today hang mistletoe, holly, ivy, garland, and so much more that comes with the holiday season. And this, believe it or not, derived from old pagan traditions didn't they even put candles on trees at one point they did which seems like a really bad idea it is (laughs) (laughs) um yeah literally playing with fire no but imagine for a while that disaster is going to smell real good Mm -hmm. yep but be real smoky very piney piney but yes I'm sure many a Victorian house had burned down by candles in the trees. <laughs> Again, a story for another time. Uh, let's, let's fast forward a little bit from the times of Christianity kind of melding with paganism, right? Uh, let's talk about Queen Victoria's reign. So her reign began in 1837, and before her reign... No one had even heard of Santa Claus. St. Nick was around well before then, but nobody had heard of him or any of the stories that came about him with the residual effects of the meaning of Christmas. Christmas cards and crackers didn't exist, and most people didn't get the holiday off of work. 
in our episode T is for Triangle Waste Shirt Factory, uh, we discussed the absolute dump that was the working conditions during the Industrial Revolution. It should come as no surprise that the Dickens character, Ebenezer Scrooge, wasn't really an exaggeration from the wealthy during the Industrial Revolution, who clearly forgot about humanity and didn't really care. Yeah. And I mean, those were just observations that were made yeah. by Dickens, I'm sure. Um, oh, exactly. The, I mean, that's where all your inspiration comes from as a writer is just drawing from shitty people you know and yep bad past experiences exactly past experiences yeah exactly um and uh you know christmas time you think about children and the joy and the you know just wonderlust that comes with that for kids being super excited and another sad part of this was you know children they were in the workhouses they didn't get off um you know they didn't get toys and they didn't get anything special. Um, if you were a little bit wealthier, they probably got a little bit of something on Christmas, but it wasn't celebrated like it is today. It was just another day, basically. And if you were poor, you would be very grateful to just get a piece of fruit or a few nuts. That was that was all you had. That was there was nothing else. So I'm sure you all right now are like, damn. So we really have to give a big freaking thank you to Dickens uh, for how we celebrate Christmas today, because if A Christmas Carol had never been written and published, we would not be seeing Christmas the way we do now. It's huge because of Charles Dickens. He gave Christmas the absolute facelift it needed. And, I mean, probably the best facelift the world has ever seen to be honest but uh he in just a few pages had taught the world the true meaning of christmas or the meaning of humanity really and that message is a message that can never be taught enough it never gets old and there's no bad time to learn it we're going to transition here for a second listeners because we find ourselves at the end of the year and we're looking back and reflecting at all that this year has brought us. And we know that this time of year particularly is a magical one, but it's also a really tough time of year for many financially and emotionally. And regardless if you celebrate Christmas or other holidays or none at all, we want you to know how very special you are to us here at Macabre. You have truly made this year a year to remember, and we are honored to have the privilege to hang out with you. You're gonna make me <laughs> emotional. Don't do it, man. Um, okay. I I bawled writing this. Um, I I don't like showing emotion, but I'm gonna just admit that I I had to read this out loud a few times, and it's I'm still getting it. Um, the absolute true meaning of Christmas is to spread peace, love, and joy, and you have certainly done that for us this year, and we hope that we were able to do that for you in return. If we could, Hallie and I would give each and every one of you a huge-ass hug, and mm -hmm. if you don't like hugs, well, 
we would give you a wink and very affectionate finger pistols. <laughs> and as Blair would say upon meeting you, what the fuck? And then she would hug you and cry. And then I would hug you and cry. <sighs> yeah, it's true. Um, please don't forget to tell the people around you how much you love them. Uh, this time of year especially. Remember to keep a little hope in your heart, a twinkle in your eye, and a wonder for the world around you. And some of you right now are probably like, whoa, 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 what the F is going on? I thought this was supposed to be macabre, not Blair, getting sappier than all the damn maple trees in Canada. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. That Let's just end this episode with some quotes from Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. No space of regret can make amends for one's life's opportunity misused. It is required of every man, the ghost returned, that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide, and... If that spirit goes not forth in life, it is commended to not do so after death. Man, said the ghost, if man you be in heart, not adamant, forbear that wicked cant until you have discovered what the surplus is and where it is. Will you decide what men shall live, what men shall die? It is fair even-handed, noble adjustments of things, that while there is infection and disease and sorrow, there is nothing in the world so irresistibly contagious as laughter and good humor. With that, dear listeners, we will end this episode. Happy New Year! We hope that 2024 will bring you all you've been hoping for, and we cannot wait to share more with you this coming year and hang out with you more we have so much exciting things in store with you as always have fun be safe and god bless us everyone <laughs> i was gonna say bah humbug <laughs> my, my neighbor's like are you decorating for christmas this is probably the worst thing to say at the end of the episode, but um, this is just me. I'm like, no, if I had a black Christmas tree, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Just cover it and like, yeah. Get one yeah. of the skeletons in a big tree, like humping it, like hanging on and just like, <laughs> horny for the holidays. 